Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. We struggled several years with infertility. Our adoption agency said it could be months or maybe even a few years before we would be matched. We were matched within three weeks. Three months later, our son was born. His name means God has heard, little blessed one. When I held him in my arms, I knew God really did love me. I was overcome with emotion. I wasn't a failure. God wasn't punishing me. I was loved. I had a purpose. He had a plan. It wasn't what I had chosen and what I probably would have chosen. But I realized that his plans and his ways are higher than my ways. And that is the greatest miracle. Hey, Emily and Lois. It's Kendra. Um, I actually have a miracle. I can't remember what you called it. Uh, Miracle moment? Miracle minute? Um, I witnessed a miracle recently and I wanted to tell you about it. So a friend of mine, like a work friend, um, a few months back ended up contracting a deadly bacteria. It's actually one of the flesh eating bacterias and, uh, of course didn't know she had it until it had gotten really bad. And, um, she was in the hospital for a long time. The infection was very scary. She had some pretty invasive surgeries, two or three of them, to try to get rid of the infected tissue. Um, I know going through that process as she was very scared and um, I stayed in touch with her and uh, got her on our a few prayer lists and she um, is not a believer but I did go visit her um, and we prayed together and she seemed very, um, very happy about that. So Anyway, um, she had gone, got discharged at one point from the hospital to go home, back and forth to the hospital a few times. Um, They did a skin graft, and then upon another follow-up visit, found that the skin graft did not take, and there was another infection, and it was going to have to be even more invasive, and things were just not looking good. And by this point, it had been at least two months between um, being in the hospital for extended periods of time and at home in between. The last time she was in the hospital, um, lots and lots of doctors and surgeons um, were, um, you know, seeing her and they had planned for another surgery and a new skin graft. Um, And she was supposed to have some kind of scan to, to see exactly where the infections were. And for some reason that scan was put off a day or two and it was very concerning and Um, there was just no answers until one day when one of the surgeons came in to check on her and her skin graft was healed. It was fantastic. And they did a test and the infection was gone. And he and her other doctors said it was a miraculous healing. And one of the doctors even asked if he could give her a hug. They were elated, like seriously mind blown. I'm just so happy for my friend Um, in hearing this news, it's just mind blowing and it's all God. There's no question. The surgeons even said that. Um, and so in one of the text messages from my friend, when she told us about the miracle, I said something about it being a miracle. And she said, yes, that's what the doctors are saying. And then she said, this agnostic heart has turned so happy. So I would love for everybody to join me in praying for my friend. I'm not going to offer her name right now, but please pray for her salvation. And as I continue to spend time with her, uh, ask the Holy Spirit to open those doors and give me his words of wisdom to say exactly what she needs to hear to want Jesus. 
Hi there, friend, and welcome to this week's episode of the RFWP, where we are seeking truth and finding God's heart. I'm your host, Emily Lewis, and my co-host, Lois McNair. We're so glad to see you guys, and the RFWP, just as a reminder, stands for Relational, Faith, Wonder, and Purpose. And we want to draw out the purpose, the wonder of Christ, build up our faith, and be relational with you as we walk through these episodes. Absolutely. And before we get into the meat of today's episode, the last person you heard on our open mic minute just now sharing a miracle that she got to witness with a friend of hers, that is Kendra at Scripture Flips, our sponsor for today's episode. And we are so thankful for her. And you guys need to go get the link in our show notes so you can get 20% off of your order at Scripture Flips. And Gift them, give them to yourselves, and support our sponsor because she has been so awesome. Yeah, scriptureflips.com, but you're going to go to our page notes and follow the link in order to get that 20% off. And for today's quote, are you ready? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today we are recording the Tuesday after Memorial Day, and Mm. I saw a slogan going around on social media today. And it said, today is the Mondayest of Tuesdays. <laughs> I have to agree with that. Today is the Mondayest of Tuesdays. <laughs> and it's so funny. We're sitting here trying to think of our micro joys from this week and our brains are a little bit fried and Strangely enough, we just haven't taken the time this week, it seems, to be still and notice the things and took us a minute to get there. Right, to notice those micro joys. And I know I've had several. It's just not where my brain went right away. That's a sign of being too busy, maybe? It might be. Which brings us to... (laughs) I did some research recently. Okay. And I Googled something that I had a, that I had a question about. And when I Googled this statement or question or whatever, there were 838 million results. Whoa. That's like eight, three, eight and six, zeros after that (laughs) (laughs) results can you guess what i was researching bad dad jokes (laughs) (laughs) yes and 800 million of those 838 have been submitted by brian edwards (laughs) (laughs) no they were not dad jokes. I simply Googled three words, how Mm. to rest, Hmm. how to rest. I wonder why there are 838 million plus results for that. Kind of makes me think that maybe we don't know how to rest well. No, I think we glorify the hustle, don't we? Mm-hmm. And the busy. We do. We do. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus calls us to Sabbath rest, but most of the time we're not resting. We're not really taking the time to experience a Sabbath rest. Can you elaborate a little bit on what you mean by the word Sabbath? Because I think with a lot of people's church background, we're not very familiar with what the Sabbath is. It's just this Old Testament thing. Right. Um, Because 
we spend more time arguing about which day of the week Sabbath is supposed to be on than we do actually understanding what Sabbath is. So the word for Sabbath in Hebrew is Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Shabbat. And it means to cease, to pause, to stop, to come to an end. And we don't do that often. Mm-mm. See, we talk about Sabbath being Sunday, but for a lot of people, especially those that are serving in churches, whether it's full-time vocationally or they're serving in their church because they've gotten plugged in or whatever reason, Sunday is not a Sabbath for them. It's Mm-mm. not Shabbat. They're not ceasing and pausing and just being able to be still and actually receive Sabbath rest. Yeah. Um, And so we'll talk a little bit more about some of the reasonings behind Sabbath. I love what you said about learning to receive, because I think a lot of us don't know how to rest because we're so busy producing and achieving Mm. that we don't know how to stop. Like you said, we don't even know how to rest. It's a, it's a Googleable question (laughs) (laughs) with a lot of results, a lot of results. And it's been a little while since I've done that research. So there could even be more results. But one of the things that we found in 2020 is that a lot of people, and I'm not going to say everybody, because some people, it just caused their world to be even busier, like our doctors and our nurses and anybody in the medical field. And I'm sure that there are others that I'm missing. But in 2020, we were forced to slow down. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that as a negative thing. We were forced to slow down. We were forced to step back. And really in the midst of all this crazy of 2020, we began to see some really beautiful results from that. We began to see family night and, and people uh, taking time to read and people taking time to pour into each other and all these beautiful things. And, and now that we're quote unquote getting back to the new normal or somewhat of a normal like you said earlier, there seems to be a hustle to get back to that. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like we're going to get right back to somehow we're busier than we've ever been. I totally agree. Because in my life, I mean, we're guilty of this. Even opening episodes, we'll talk about how busy we've been, how busy our week has been. And it's it's glorifying the busy and It's okay in seasons to be busy as long as we are learning to rest and be peaceful. And like you said, Shabbat and Shabbat Shalom, Mm -hmm. no peace. But it's really easy to switch over into, oh, now I have to do this and I have to do that. When we lived six months a year without those things, and we need to remember that Rest is a priority. Yeah. We almost revel in our busyness. Mm -hmm. We almost revel in our exhaustion. We kind of wear it like a badge of honor. And I think in the church, it has become a badge of honor. It Mm -hmm. has become something that we revel in and just like, well, you know, I'm just so exhausted because I've done A, B, C, D, and E. And the next week I have to do, you know, blah, 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 blah. And It's like I mentioned several episodes ago, the lyrics by Larnell Harris um, of the song, you know, he says, I miss my time with you, Mm. these moments together, got to be with you each day. And it hurts me when you say you're too busy, busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? Mm -hmm. So we, we wear it like a badge of honor. I, I heard growing up, I'd rather burn out than rust out. Ooh, yeah. From the pulpit. Yeah, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole today. (laughs) But we, Priscilla Shire, a few years ago, wrote a Bible study called Breathe. Just breathe. 
And Mm -hmm. it was a transformational Bible study for me. And one of the things that she talks about, I've already shared with you that Sabbath means to cease, to pause, stop, to come to an end. Sabbath was a guard against the children of Israel becoming enslaved again. That's one of the takes that she has on that. And I, I see that, see the children of Israel where they were enslaved for years, you know, but then when they were free from that, um, the Lord wanted them to be reminded of the great things that he had done. And so we have this Sabbath that gets um, brought into their lives so that they take time to rest. They take time to thank the Lord. They take this time away from all of the busyness. It's not a legalistic thing. It was for me growing up. We were never allowed to play sports on Sunday. We were never allowed to, you know, go shopping on Sunday, you know, all these things. But yet when we look at it that way, we enslave ourselves to legalism Mm -hmm. and well, you know where I'm going with that. So take off with it. (laughs) Yeah. And we know that Jesus said that the Sabbath wasn't made or man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. It is a gift that Mm -hmm. we are given a day to rest. And maybe if you observe a Sabbath, it looks like 24 hours of not working, whatever that looks like for you. Or maybe you carve out 12 hours, four hours, something to just start a Sabbath practice in your life to fight against the hustle and the busyness. Yeah. And you have set, you and and Bill have set something up like that in your house. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, honestly, in this season, one of the things that I feel called to do more of is Sabbath because we are busy and we have a lot of irons in the fire. And I almost hesitated to talk about this on this episode because we are busy and I feel like we've been neglecting our Sabbath, but our Sabbath can anchor us. It's the day that I know, I know we like take naps on Sunday or a lot of people do, like, you know, that there's, it doesn't have to be done today. And Sabbath is a practice of acknowledging that I don't have to be doing and I can just rest and watch God do the work. I'm hands off and letting him work when I am not. Right. So for us, and I, I don't want to get into too many specifics because it's, there's so much liberty in Sabbath, but maybe it looks like you not on your phone or you're like, at least you shut your Wi-Fi off, um, for 24 hours starting. Like we like to start ours in the evening, like Saturday night, because our Sundays are pretty light at this, in this season. Um, whatever looks like ceasing from work and mm-hmm. celebrating Jesus. Yeah. If we filter through those two things. It doesn't become legalistic and it is individual, and beautiful. What does rest and worship look like for you and infuse your day with those things? That's really good. There is a, uh, a term called chronic overloading. Mm. And a lot of us do that. We, um, I think Richard Swenson, I can't remember exactly, but, um, talks about chronic overloading and because we think we have to be busy. Now, some people are doers, you know, and so they, they feel like they have to be checking off the list or the tasks or, you know, and that brings them satisfaction. You know, I get that. Um, Some are not wired that way. 
you know, so sometimes I'm sure we need a little bit of a fire lit up underneath us, you know, but chronic, the synonyms for chronic are constant, ceaseless, continuing, Mm -hmm. unending, persistent, habitual, long-term. Just listening to that list makes me tired. It's true. Honestly. I felt my shoulders sag. Yeah. It's just kind of like, oh. Um, Lisa Turkhurst wrote a book several years ago called The Best Yes. And I read that. One of the things that really stood out to me was we talk about needing a Sabbath rest, men and women needing a Sabbath rest. But if we feel like if we're not doing, then we're not producing. And that's the way a lot of people have been wired within the church because they heard that from the pulpit for years. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, if you're not doing this, if you're not doing that, um, uh, then you're not you're not enough. You're not doing what you need to be doing. Right. Um, and she, Lisa Turkhurst, wrote this, and here's the statement: said one who lives with the stress of an overwhelming schedule will often ache with the sadness of an underwhelmed soul. Hmm. Yeah. And we see this in the lives of, of um, people who are extremely successful, you know, whether it's celebrities or it's pastors Hmm. or, you know, whatever it's across the spectrum of being busy all the time and not caring for the soul, not taking that time for Sabbath rest, not leaving margin for time to just step back. We end up with an underwhelmed soul. And for some, it ends up causing moral issues. It ends up causing um, families breaking up up it ends up causing addictions to just keep them going keep them moving you know this it's really there's really no way to just completely talk about sabbath rest in one episode but those are some mm-hmm. bullet points of things that i i think we need to be aware of i would love to go back to matthew chapter 11 cuz I think in the conversation about church, we glorify too when it's hard. And Jesus specifically says that it doesn't have to be hard and that it's easy to follow him. <laughs> His yoke is easy. So I want to read these. Right. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Mm. Yep. Mark 6, 31 and 32. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. If you notice, if you follow in the New Testament, when Jesus is teaching, when he has just met with the group of people, you will also find find him stepping away, slipping through the crowd, slipping off Mm -hmm. in a boat because he, he does call us to rest. You've got Genesis chapter two, two and three on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Mm -hmm. Obviously he wasn't exhausted from all the work of creation. Right. Which is funny because I used to think that like in my child's mind, hearing the story is like, wow, you must've been tired. Yeah. He was exhausted after speaking the entire world into existence. (laughs) You know, no, he was setting 
the example for Sabbath. Even then, he was setting the example for mm-hmm. our rest. Right. I Something just stood out to me that it was a holy day. Mm. It's not like this really complicated Lord's Day, but it's holy, which means rest is worship. How many times do you think of worship being in your action when worship can be in your rest? Because our worship and our rest, our rest is our signal to ourselves and to God that we trust him. And that's an act of worship to take our hands off. Mm. You know, that's so important that you're talking about worship and rest uh, because we feel like we're having to work all the time. Um, But I believe it was Gordon Dahl who made this statement in one of his books. We worship our work. We work at our play. And we play at our worship. Mm. Wow. I think you need to say that again. So we worship our work. The hustle constantly, mm-hmm. right? A lot of a lot of us. We work at our play. So, you know, the things that we want to do, we we make it super important. And then play at our worship. I feel like so we, convicted right now. Like not not heavy. I mean, not like an altar call. I mean, we could have an altar call. End it right there. <laughs> no, you can't have an altar call yet because the preacher's not done pontificating <laughs> <laughs> all the rules about Sabbath day. Sorry. <laughs> I just had to say it. <laughs> you had to have a big word. <laughs> I had to have a big word. <laughs> we worship our work, work at our play, and play at our worship. What do you think about that? Do you agree or disagree? I totally agree. We worship our work. That one is hitting me. And we play at our worship. And if I had those two flipped around, just those two fixed where I was you know, not worshiping my work, mm-hmm. I could rest and then I would have more time and energy to pour into worship. And then my work would be straightened out because it would be a natural outpouring of my worship. And it wouldn't be this, this grind of, like I've said in the last couple of weeks, I just, it feels like the tyranny of the urgent. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's supposed to get done next, but this has to get done next. So it's just, I kind of, being stuck where taking that time to pause and worship first aligns everything that needs to happen that day. And God makes it happen, not me. Because when I try to force it to happen, everybody ends up stressed and I probably don't even get done what I was trying to make happen anyway. Yeah. And, and that is, Um, another author took that quote and put it in, in his book called redeeming the time. Mm. I haven't read this book, so I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying when we redeem the time, which is what you were just talking about, redeeming the time, stop, step back, take a look at what God intended for our Sabbath rest You know, Psalm 127 says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. And I think that this isn't just talking about the hustle. It's also talking about what the hustle ends up causing us to do. We become anxious We don't rest well. We don't prepare our bodies and our hearts and our minds. I used to tell my kids, you know, don't plan stuff on Saturday nights late. 
And when our kids were younger, we didn't let them spend the night at people's houses on Saturday night. And that sounded, you know, very legalistic or whatever you want to call it. It just sounded like, you know, that's a, that's a dumb rule, mom. (laughs) You know, of course my kids (laughs) never said that, but, um, you know, as they got older, they're like, why, why can't I? And for me, it was just, um, of course we got lax as they got older. I shouldn't say we got lax. We, we loosened the reins of that as they got older, but the purpose of it was that if we're going to worship corporately on Sunday morning, let's be rested to be able to do that. Let's be in a state of mind to be able to do that instead of tagging it on to the end of our week or, you know, the hustle of the beginning of the week. Mm-hmm. And can I just say, we fill all of our little minutes when you said tagging it on mm-hmm. and not and preparing our hearts. We fill all our little minutes with our phone a lot of times. I do this anyway. When I'm cooking supper and I'm waiting for something to heat up, I grab my phone and answer messages or scroll Facebook or get in the RFP fam Facebook group or something. We're filling our moments uh, with stuff and distractions. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, God might not be able to get our attention if we're not making the space to hear him. Yeah. I love the way that the ESV translates this verse, Psalm chapter four, verse eight. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. Mm. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now we're talking about the verse that we just read, anxious toil, because even when we're not necessarily busy with our hands, we're busy with our minds. We're thinking about the next thing. We're we're worrying about something. We're anxious that this is going to work out or that's going to work out. And I love this because it's like in peace, the psalmist says, I will both lie down and sleep, not <laughs> lie down and worry, not lie down and let my mind run like a caged gerbil on a wheel, not lie down and <laughs> check off my to-do list in my head. No, in peace, I will lie down and sleep for you alone. Oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. Mm -hmm. Like again, it's a rest. It's a, it's a surrender of our own agenda to rest in him. Mm -hmm. That to me is what Sabbath rest is surrendering things to him so that our priorities aren't out of whack. Right. I almost think we look at Sabbath rest as, or resting in him sometimes as fluffy. Like, what does that even mean? But it can be super practical because we have to physically stop. God didn't just give us an idea of Sabbath and of peace. He brought peace and he gives us space for peace. And when we learn to rest our bodies and stop, we can learn to meditate and like calm our minds and within what's the verse in Psalms it's about God quieting our hearts even though there's a multitude of thoughts like racing in our mind Mm -hmm. and it's like God knows God knows that's all we have a tendency to racing thoughts and going, 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 but he wants to bring peace and rest. And here's the thing, as a former teacher, the word rest is a verb. So if you think about it, rest is a verb. So Uh it's not like we're just, you know, being lazy and no, we're choosing to rest. We are choosing to actively stop other things so that we can sit at the feet of Jesus or we can cuddle with a child or we can, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're resting Psalm 23. And I've mentioned this before, but 
you know, a lot of times stereotypically Psalm 23 gets read at someone's end of life. Mm -hmm. But it's so daily. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want means I lack for nothing. So why are we spinning and anxious and toil and rushing here and there and to do, do, do and fill up our schedule when we just need to rest in him and follow what he's leading us to do? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Mm -hmm. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, but it's for his name's sake. It's to bring honor and glory to his name. Um, Hebrews chapter four, starting in verse nine. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. We are entering in that rest. And here, I believe it's talking about, um, you know, eternal salvation and, and, and following him. I think Sabbath rest within the church has been um, twisted. Scripture has been taken out of context. For example, Deuteronomy chapter 5, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord our God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes your sons, your daughters. And he goes on to, of course, this is in Deuteronomy. The reason, and this is what I mentioned, Priscilla Shire's Bible study, Breathe, and she talks about the fact that so that they would not become slaves to their labor again, so that they would not become enslaved mm -hmm. to the work and the labor. So he set up Sabbath to guard us from those, from those things. Yeah. I love that it comes with a promise. It's not God threatening them. It's just, hey, God knows what works best works best, no pun intended. God knows how <laughs> things should be structured for your benefit and your best. Right. And what did God institute? What was the first thing that God created and made a, this is probably not the right word, but institution? What did he ordain first? The family the family. And yet we hear over and over again in some churches, in some denominations that, you know, you need to be here when the doors are open. You need to do this, 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 and this, and this. I think what gets twisted a lot in churches is that we look at Sunday as Sabbath, but if you are working on Sunday, if you are in vocational ministry, if you are in part-time ministry, if you are volunteering, yes, go corporate worship, all those things. But if you're in vocational ministry, and I'm probably going to have people that are going to come at me about this, that is not your Sabbath. That's not mm -hmm. your Sabbath. You have to have a day of rest where you are still and alone and having your soul restored, not that you're pouring out to everybody else. Right. And, and that is super important. Angela Thomas, who is a author, speaker, theologian, went to seminary, these things. She, she would travel on the weekends. And I heard her speak one time. Uh, one of the times I heard her speak, she was saying that, you know, she's, she's speaking and teaching and traveling on the weekends. So Sunday is not her Sabbath. 
So mm-hmm. she and her husband specifically take time away. Their another day of the week is the is their Sabbath time because mm-hmm. it is the time of rest. Right. And I think that's the big difference between the Lord's Day that we heard growing up. It was this day that was dedicated to working for God. And I remember reading Little House on the Prairie and how they didn't hitch up their horses and they had they had to play quietly on the Sabbath. And that was such a foreign concept to me because the Lord's Day wasn't at all about rest. Mm. And yes, Sabbath is about worship, but like we said, worship and rest. Yeah. And I love Psalm 4-4. I'm just going to even skip the middle part of the verse. The beginning says, stand in awe, and the end says, and be still. Stand Mm. in awe and be still. We can stand in that wonder and that worship Mm. and that peace that passes all understanding is possible. We just rest in his presence, in his worship. Mm, I love that. I love that. Jesus calls us to Sabbath rest. Um, and we're in this race of life. It's a long race and we have to pace ourselves like a marathon, but so many of us are trying to run it like a sprint. (laughs) We're acting like we're in a 100 yard dash and we just can't keep up that pace. And we We don't take the time. Now, obviously, everybody has to make their own choices. Um, and sometimes in there are seasons where there really isn't a choice. It's, it is a busy season. <clears throat> but when we do have a choice, what do we do with that? How do we change that um, when we're in busy season? Or now that we're coming out of this this crazy last 16 months that we have had as, as a world, not Mm -hmm. just as a country, multiple, you know, the world has walked through this. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's this push to get back to the busy and there's this push to quote unquote, get back to normal. Um, I think We have to set aside some of our normal thought processes Mm. and just allow ourselves to be reminded, this is a really good time to institute some boundaries so that we have Sabbath rest. Yeah. So what's the first thing we do? We're going to pray for direction. You know, you've got the story of John and Charles Wesley's mom, Susanna, you know, Um, And a lot of people hear about the fact that she would take two hours a day for her prayer time, you know, and I'm not saying you have to take two hours a day for your prayer time. If you've got that and that's what God's called you to, oh man, that's, that's great. But um, she, people don't usually hear the other side of that story. She took time away specifically to, to rest. And the way she would do this is she would take her apron and she would put it over her head. And her kids knew if mom's got her apron over her head in the corner, because, you know, they're in a small house, you know, this is, this is her time for prayer. This is her time, you know, and, and we have this concept of, you know, I don't know, John and Charles Wesley's, uh, you know, home life and all of this, but hidden behind the door of the home was the reality of hardship. So I'm going to read a little bit of this story. Um, A devastated home isn't always apparent on first impressions. Susanna Wesley was married to a preacher. They had 10 children of which two grew up to bring millions of souls to Christ. You know, we know, we know the names, John and Charles Wesley. It's a powerful story if you stop there. But behind the door of her home, hopeless conditions were the norm. She married a man who couldn't manage the money. 
They disagreed on just about everything from money to politics. They had 19 children and all of them, except for 10, died in infancy. Sam left her to raise the children alone for long periods of time. He would be gone. Hmm. This was sometimes over something as simple as an argument. One of their children was crippled. Another one couldn't talk until he was nearly six years old. Susanna herself was desperately sick most of her life. There was no money for food or anything, and debt had plagued them. Sam was once thrown into debtor's prison because their debt was so high, which doubled their problems. Twice the homes that they lived in were burned to the ground, losing everything they owned. It was assumed that their church members did it because they were so mad at what Sam had preached in the pulpit. Um, and it just goes on. When Susanna was young, she promised the Lord that every hour she spent in entertainment, she would give to him in prayer and in the word. Now, this is her own personal choice, and she felt like the Holy Spirit led her to do this. And that's mm -hmm. beautiful. I'm not saying that's everybody's necessity. But taking care of the house and raising so many kids made that commitment nearly impossible. She had no time for those things. She worked the garden. She milked the cow. She schooled the children. She managed the house entire, entirely by herself. So she decided that she would do this time with the Lord in prayer and she would struggle to find a secret place to get away with him. So she advised her children that when they saw her with her apron over her head, that meant she was in prayer and could not be disturbed. Hmm. Now I don't take that and feel guilty about that, that I'm not taking two hours in prayer every day and making sure that I, that I that I pray as long as I watch a Netflix show, show or that I read my Bible as many hours as I have, um, you know, done something else. But we hear about these accomplishments of, of John and Charles Wesley, um, but the home that they grew up in was a lot of times chaos. And she was left with a very, very busy schedule, but mm -hmm. she took time away to rest and have time to pray with the Lord. I don't think any of us are dealing with what she dealt. Well, I shouldn't say any of us, but most of us are not dealing with those conditions. I love that she put the apron over her head. <laughs> I've actually heard of a mom that does that. I don't remember who told me, but they were talking about alone time and quiet time and how a mom will put a blanket over her head and she'll sit at the kitchen table with her little people all around her. And she does that, a version of that, <laughs> to yeah. like remind them that it's her alone time with God. Yeah. Now... Granted, this is a long, long time ago, you know, um, but she prayed for direction of how to navigate this life that she was in. And that was her prayer time with Jesus. That's how she got through stuff. So mm -hmm. I think the first thing that we have to do when we're talking about Sabbath is we have to pray for direction. You know, men and women, we need to pray for direction. We need to you know, decide, are there things that we need to put away in our lives? Um, and then too, I think we need to reevaluate our priorities. Lisa Turker says in that book that we must not confuse the demand to love with the disease to please. Oh, wow. Because we are to love people and we're to love people well, whether it's family or church members or others, but we can't confuse the demand to love with the disease to please. And so sometimes we have to say no. We have to reevaluate re our priorities. We have to have our best yes. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I think we need to unplug from di distractions, like you said earlier. And back to just for a second, the learning our priorities, like we can also delegate. You can find somebody to partner with if you're 
busy, to take things off your schedule, there we can be resourceful in, wow, I am in a busy season and I can't let any of this go. What can we do? Who can we pull from? How can we learn to receive and ask for help when we are in that spot where it feels like, you know, I'm backed up to the wall and I can't carve out this time or I can't be still. Maybe we do have to give up some things or also bring someone in to support us. Right. I agree with you. And I think we have to sometimes swallow our pride and it's okay that we don't say yes to everything. There's a lot of guilt put on that, whether it's in work, society, church, whatever, but it takes discipline to decline. Mm. You know, we have to learn to say no so we can give our best yes, so we can have time for Sabbath rest. The decisions that we make determine the schedule we keep. The schedule we keep determines the life that we live and the life that we live determines how we spend our soul time. I would love to get your take on this quote. Dean Graziosi, he's a big name in the entrepreneur business space. And I heard him say that yes, will get you out of Egypt, but no, will get you into the promised land. I think that goes right back to what I was saying earlier with Priscilla Shire, because she talks about that guard of Sabbath being set up so you would not become enslaved again. Mm, Yeah. So it's okay to say yes, but I agree with you. Sometimes we have to say no so that we can not wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Yes. (laughs) I, I see that. I see that. I think, I think I agree with that. Yeah having our priorities, knowing what our yeses are mm-hmm. and knowing where our, our, like you said, boundaries, but knowing where we need to leave that margin yeah, to be the best version of ourselves and be connected with God. And you know, a lot of people that were raised in uh, very traditional churches didn't learn to say no, because if you said no, it was considered a lack of spirituality. Mm -hmm. If you weren't at everything, if you didn't do everything, if you didn't, um, you know, volunteer for everything, if you didn't bring the pastor Starbucks and think about if he's going to be pleased with me and how I look on Sunday morning. Some of you will understand where that came from. Shout out IFB sermon clips. (laughs) Absolutely. But it was almost saying, it was almost like saying no or saying, you know what? We have to have family time. Well, I'll tell you right now, you know, if you, you are not here and whatever manipulative statement was made and your kids are going to. Mm-mm. you know, go off the deep end and all this kind of stuff. I don't even know if that makes sense, but I'm just, I'm just saying we do have to learn how to say no in order to have what's best, what God's best is for us. And God's best is not an overloaded, busy schedule where you are not pouring into your marriage or you're not pouring into your children or, or you're not uh, pouring into, you know, your studies, you know, just whatever it is he's called us to. And can I even add not pouring into yourself? Because yeah. you matter. You are valuable and you are worth taking care of. And you have so much value before God. And mm-hmm. you're allowed to prioritize taking care of you. It's not, it's selfless to take care of yourself. Yeah, that's true. So I just, I think that uh, also spending time in God's word, 
because even David tells us in the Psalms that your words are marrow to my bones. Mm. You know, it is, it is soothing. It is when the anxiety comes from the, from the, you know, major schedule and these things, and I've got to get this handled. I got this handled, you know, God's word soothes our soul. And that's a time of Sabbath. It shouldn't be a, you've got to be up at 4.30 every morning, spend 30 minutes in prayer, 30 minutes in scripture, and then you're ready for your day. If you're not resting in what he's sharing and his love letter to us in scripture, if you aren't resting in that and applying it, it doesn't matter if you get up at 3.30 in the morning. If you're doing it out of duty and not out of having a peaceful time with the Lord, it's, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to impact your life. I can attest to that. Okay. So how is that? Tell me how you can attest to that. (laughs) You know, I'm going to ask when you say. (laughs) In high school, I used to get up really early and I would go to the gym with my dad at like six. But before that, I would get up and I don't remember. I could make it up, but I really don't remember how many pages I would read in my Bible. It was a lot. And I would sit there and get it done. And at that point in my life, honestly, I had very little real relationship with God. I could talk to him. I could hear his voice, but I didn't really acknowledge it. It was just dry. So why did you get up that early and read? And please don't misunderstand those of you who are listening. If the Lord is leading you to get up at 3.30 in the morning or 4th whenever and and read, and that's that's between you and the Holy Spirit. I am not saying one way or the other. But like you were saying, Emily, like if that wasn't out of a relationship with him, why were you doing that? Yeah, it was just a big should. You should be reading 10 chapters a day. You should be reading 10 pages a day. Um, and somehow that's going to make your life better. It was a little bit of prosperity gospel too. It was formulaic. That's not even a word. But it was I a think f- it's a word now. <laughs> <laughs> you can put my name next to it in the dictionary. Yeah. But it was just this big formula of you do this and God is happy or you do this and you're right with God. So Mm. that's why. Rest will look different. Sabbath rest will look different for every person and every family. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know what Sabbath rest is is going to look like for your particular family, for you as a single woman who is um, in her second year of seminary or, you know, the, the young married that's got four little ones at home and, you know, all these different, all these different uh, stages of life or for that um, newly single husband who is, just trying to pick up the pieces and figure out what it means to be a single dad. Um, Rest will look different for every one of us because our situations are different. But if we spent less time doing and doing and doing performance, like we said earlier, you know, worshiping our work and and we step back and we reprioritize because we can say no and we can mm-hmm. survive <laughs> we found out that we could survive in 2020 right by being forced to step back i would love to have you the listener Tag us, share it on social media, and tell us, how are you engaging in Sabbath rest this week? We'll come comment on your post or share it to our story. Just encourage each other to rest 
in who God is and be still in our days long enough to witness God doing the miraculous and coming Mm. in and speaking. Which brings me to, we forgot our micro joys. We never said what our micro joys are. So what did you find out? What was one of your micro joys from this week? Oh, yeah. So I want to tell you micro joy, but I also want to tell you something you were just talking about, you know, we've been talking about Sabbath rest. So don't let me forget. I I need to share a little nugget with you about Sabbath rest. But so one of my micro joys is that I got to watch fireworks right near my house two nights in a row because it's Memorial Day weekend and, um, and there's a, there's an area near us that they just, um, they celebrate, they honor um, the men and women that been lost in the line of duty. And, um, and then they just end the night with this big, beautiful display of fireworks. And I am like a child when it comes to fireworks. <laughs> I never get tired of them. And so I literally two nights in a row just drove out of my neighborhood about a mile down the road sat in my car, rolled my window down and watched the fireworks. Nice. And it just brings me, it brings me a little micro joys. That's (laughs) awesome. I think my micro joy is, was getting to do yard work because now we have our house and I did yard work and it was really fun. Yes. A friend of mine uh, planted some vegetables and she had extra starts and I got those in the ground and my mom helped me put together a swing set for the girls and it's just so fun working oh, outside. That's cool. That's cool. Well, and working outside in Montana um, only gets to happen a few months a year <laughs> without the white stuff. Facts. <laughs> Facts. Okay. What was your nugget? Yeah. So as we, as we wrap up and I know we've already given our Michael Joyce, but I, just wanted to share that in 2011, my husband and I had the extreme privilege to be in Israel um, with some friends. And we had the extreme privilege of being there for to observe Sabbath twice. Wow. So over two, over two mm-hmm. weekends. Mm-hmm. And one of those times we we're staying in a, um, it was like a bed and breakfast, but it specifically for ministers and, and all of that. And just having, having, um, dinner and sitting and just candlelight and just resting. And we were right by the sea of Galilee. Mm. It just was a beautiful reminder that, we take time away to spend with him and it's not rushing and racing and you have to be somewhere at eight 30 in the morning. And it, it is hmm. a reminder of his goodness and his mercy and his grace and his love and the magnitude of the fact that he is almighty God those are the things that we're supposed to be resting in, not striving. And and being able to be in Israel during two Shabbat mm, yeah. times. One was at the court and the wailing wall right outside of the temple. Mm-hmm. Another was the other time was at the Sea of Galilee. You could see two completely different things. There was striving. And I have to do this because it's Sabbath. And then there was resting and I get to do this Mm. because it's Sabbath. Mm. And um, so I, like we said, I don't know what Sabbath is going to look like for each one of you, but I'm just encouraging you dig into the word, do some research, read about what some other, some other commentaries have talked about Sabbath and find what Sabbath rest is for you personally. I am so glad we did this topic. I needed it. My heart needed this reminder. Today 
is the Monday month. Today is. <laughs> There's blooper number one. <laughs> there we go. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, you can reach out to Lois and Emily at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP. You can go to patreon.com slash sisterseeker. Another way to show your support is by leaving us a review. This helps get this cause and this message to more women like you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here, friend.